DealQuest viewers and listeners, I am so excited to have Mike McCallis back on an upcoming episode of DealQuest. Mike, what are they going to hear about? New book, everything? What are they going to hear about on this new podcast? Yeah, well, listen, we're going to master the milliseconds of marketing on this podcast. I'm going to give you a detailed plan on how you can get marketing working for you, how you can stand out, have uh, an audience compelled by your message, and take the action you want. That's what we're going to do. Folks, listen, I am always thrilled when Mike comes on. I, I'm a big fan of his books. Definitely check out his upcoming episode of DealQuest. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. DealQuest listeners and viewers, I am so excited to have Mike Michalowicz back on the DealQuest podcast. He is an entrepreneur behind three multi-million dollar companies, the author of Profit First, Clockwork Pumpkin Plan, and his newest book, Get Different. Uh, Mike's a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and regularly travels the globe as an entrepreneurial advocate. Uh, Mike was on the podcast for his uh, last book, which is Fix This Next. Uh, and I'm so excited to have you on with Get Different, having launched yesterday. Yeah. Mike, welcome. Fresh off the press. Corey, this is a joy to be back with you. Thanks for this. You know, it's it's funny. Before we talk about uh, this particular book, I was looking back. I've read uh, most, but not all of your books, but most of them. Thank you. Um, and um, I really, it, it came to me like the ecosystem of, you know, support that you've created for entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, I go back to the the toilet paper entrepreneur, you know, is about you know, launching a business. Yeah, and yeah. Merge, you know, is about the growth. And then, you know, uh, the pumpkin plan talks about when you hit some ceilings and, you know, and problems. That's and right. the first about all the, and I promise a Bible to me. I told you that last Thank time. Thank you. I know. You know Thank how you. we run the financials on it. And then, you know, um, and then you got, you know, clockwork about taking your time back as an entrepreneur. And then, yeah. And then fix this next, which we talked about last time, you know, about, yep. you know, focusing on one thing. And now you're getting on the marketing side. So I feel like, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you can just read a bunch of Mike McCallowitz books. And <laughs> yeah. really get a, well, that, that's a kind of my hope. education there. Yeah, it's funny. One of my colleagues here came and they uh, they put a big note up on the wall with all the books, and above it it said the McCallaverse. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. It, it is kind of what I'm trying to do. I, I found that there's about 25 to 30 different distinct elements in, in business that need to be addressed, and I don't know if I'll get it done in my lifetime. That is my goal: is to to address these 30 elements. All right, so a seven uh, count, right? Are we seven? Number or seven or eight? Yeah. Okay. I think seven. I think it's seven. <laughs> All right, awesome. All right, so listen, let's jump jump right in. Tell us yeah. about um, get different, uh, and what is different about get different? Right, there are a lot of marketing books out there. <laughs> There's a lot of marketing books. Uh, so get different is um, the result of about ten years of marketing research. This is the one I spent the most research time ever doing. Uh, two years of writing it, and what I discovered is to your point. There is a lot of marketing books out there, but most of them are based upon marketing plans. Like here's how you roll out your marketing and yep. get noticed. 
the problem I noticed, or maybe the better words, the void I noticed is what marketing is good versus bad. Like just because everyone else is doing say Instagram or Facebook ads, does that mean that should be your marketing plan? And how do you know it shouldn't? So get different. What I did is I boiled it down to the essence of marketing. And I found this really fascinating statistic about cognitive thought. Right now, if uh, Corey, if you and I blink, if, I mean, you can try it. Just blink as fast as you can, your fastest okay. blink ever. That, that blink you just did actually takes longer than it does for our mind to have a cognitive thought and make a consideration, should I proceed or not on it? So our mind moves at lightning speed. An average blink takes over one-tenth of a second, yet our cognitive thoughts happen in these milliseconds, these one-tenth of a second increments. Therefore, marketing happens in milliseconds. What we need to do is we need to win over the cognitive awareness, cognitive consideration, and then cognitive direction. Am I going to proceed or not? It all happens in these millisecond increments. And so that's what Get Difference about. All right. So, so the old wisdom that told me I should have an elevator pitch, suddenly an elevator pitch is seeming really long. <laughs> totally, right? Right. But an elevator pitch can work, but you've got to win the first millisecond. So you've heard those elevator pitches where the person starts talking and your mind just tunes out. It's, it's not even conscious thought anymore. It's just like, whatever. And this person's droning on and you're like, what, did I, what was this person's name? That's when our mind has gone through what's called habituation. So just a real quick kind of primer on how the brain operates. To me, it's fascinating. At the top of the brainstem is this thing called the reticular formation. You may have heard of this thing called the reticular activating system. That's part of it. But the reticular formation is a net. It sits on top of the spine. And its job actually is to control the flow of information to our prefrontal cortex, the front of our mind, uh, the amygdala, and other parts of our mind. And it's it also removes information that's irrelevant. And 99.9999% of the inputs coming into us are actually irrelevant. Right. Right now, Corey, you and I can look around our, our workspace, our desk. There's hundreds or thousands of things that could draw our attention. Like I, this, I have this massive marker here. I could go on for hours considering why is it massive? Why, why is it a red tip? What, what does red mean? Who invented the word red? It could just go on and on. But our mind actually ignores it. So to get through this particular formation, there's only three ways through it. One is whatever's presenting itself, is this a threat? And threats are the primary thing that are considered. Yep. Like if, yep. if you and I are talking right now and all of a sudden like we're outside and something squiggles in the ground, that could be a snake. That could be a threat. We're about to get uh, bitten. And so we will react immediately. The amygdala takes that. The reticular formation also opens up for opportunity. So we'd be talking, someone plops down like a stack of, of $1,000 bills or $100 bills. And we're like, whoa, we'll pay attention because our brain's like, oh, this could serve us in a certain way. Yes. Um, everything else is ignored except for one more thing gets through. And it's the unexpected. When something presents itself and we are not familiar with it, the, the reticular formation opens up to say to our prefrontal cortex, we don't know what the hell this is. We better evaluate this because this could be a threat. This could right. hurt us. This could be an opportunity. Or it could be something that I should know in the future to ignore and never consider again. So what we need to do is get past that prefrontal, uh, the reticular formation in our marketing. Most marketing doesn't work because it doesn't get past the reticular formation. Most marketing is known and it's known as irrelevant. So the classic example is next time you go to your mailbox and you get all that junk mail, just consciously observe how fast you rifle through. It's like garbage, garbage, garbage. Oh, oh good. Yeah. It's literally a millisecond, and that's the milliseconds of thought. 
your reticular formation is saying irrelevant, irrelevant, irrelevant. The only three things that it opens up for is, is it a threat first? So if it's like some white powder slips out, you will notice. Right. But threats, of course, are something we avoid. So uh, we'll call the police. We'll get away from it. That's not what we want as a marketer. Is it an opportunity? Meaning if there's a check in there, we notice those checks. Um, that could be a form of marketing. It's risky, though, because if I send you a million-dollar check, yes, you will pay attention. But B, you may just walk with the money, and now I'm out that investment. Sure. The third thing that gets our attention is the unexpected. So that's why they say lumpy mail unexpected mail, you get that thing. It's like, what is in this box? I, I didn't, did I order this? Like, what? And we open it because curiosity is invoked. That's our prefrontal cortex. So the best marketing is marketing that does the unexpected or the different. That's why the book's title, Get Different, doesn't happen just in mail by any stretch of imagination. It can happen in email. It can happen on billboards. It could happen just in the way you dress. But we need to start off by getting different because that gets us noticed. And, you know, listen, with the, I mean, this is not a new conversation, but the last number of years, I mean, the, the flood of information that comes in, right? Oh. I, mean, I mean, how much more difficult is it these days to, to, to differentiate? So, so here's the irony. It's not more difficult. It's been the same as it always has been. Okay. Th there was a study that came out that said that uh, the attention span of humanity is decreasing and that goldfish have a longer attention span. You can Google this. Yeah. Actually, it's, it's been debunked. It's just a myth. God. Our attention span hasn't changed. The stimulus has increased. Yes. So our ability to ignore uh, is, is just as effective, but we ignore more. Got it. It's like, you know, if, you do, if there's 100 uh, commercials on television versus 1,000, that one that's really cool still catches our attention, but now it's just 1,000 are being ignored. Yep. So we have to do something that's different. Most marketing is the same as the industries. It's called best practice marketing. And that's actually an indicator of bad marketing. If you do what everyone else in the industry is doing, your clients have become habituated. Habituation, another kind of scientific term, but that's when mind has already evaluated something as ignorable, and therefore it just stays at the uh, reticular formation and gets ditched. The classic example is uh, if you um, if you ever got that email, like I did the first one that said "Hey friend," like the, in the email. You know, I remember getting that one many years ago, and I was like, "Oh my god, I have a I have a friend." Who's calling me friend? Like, what friend called me friend? This is an amazing friend. Which friend is this? And it got me because it's the first time I saw it. As I went through, it's like, oh, this is just someone marketing something cheesy. Right. Then the next one came through. It was like, hold on. Hey, friend. It was marketing. The second one, I looked at it for a little bit. It's like, oh, it's marketing. By the third one, I've never, ever opened a hey, friend again. And I probably yep. received hundreds or thousands of those. That's right. That's habituation. Right, because you 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 now know it's it comes in that category that you don't like. That's actually it, it works against it, right? Because it now works it, against it, it. It automatically gets categorized there, and and that's where all the stimulus is. So yeah. there's no question we're marketed more to to us than ever before. But it's all these hey friends. Everyone's replicating everyone else. Yeah. So you just have to be the first in your category to do something different, and it will win. Now it won't win forever. It right. wins until other people start doing the same thing. That's right. And then it becomes habituated and you got to invent again. And you got to reinvent. Yeah. I mean, listen, a, a great example for that with me was LinkedIn DM messages, right? A few years ago, I'd get a, I'd get a DM on a LinkedIn from somebody I didn't know. I'd actually read it. I'd be like, oh. exactly. Right. Then, then, you know, all these companies came in to, to start and they made them, you know, personalized. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, you're the only but, you know, but like I, I, you know, but yeah, I tune them out now. So it's funny, like, but I'm looking at like established medium, like email. How many marketing messages do we get in email? Hundreds, thousands a day, there's spam filters, everything. I tried something new in email. And what I did was I, I did the invisible ink method. I, I, something I went as a kid, I had this little Mad Libs thing. Yeah, and just, yeah. you know, 
know, you rub that thing and, it, and all of a sudden the invisible ink would present itself. I was like, well, why don't I do that in email? So I used a white font that matched the white background Okay. And above it in black, it said, this is an invisible ink. Uh, just scroll your mouse over, you know, click and drag over it and it'll highlight it. And the response rate was unbelievable because wow. no one had ever seen invisible ink in email. Now that wor worked for me and you know, it's continuing to work until now I shared it. Other people will use it. Right. I have to invent something new yeah, yet. Exactly. Again. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So I want to, you know, obviously th this is a, as you know, this is a deals podcast. So I just want to tie it into deals, even though yeah. your information. Is so, and we tied in the last one deals. He, here's a specific thing that I deal with the clients all the time. So I want to see what your view on this is. Um, so we do a lot of mergers and acquisitions, things like that. And for example, in the financial services space, and we'll say to, and the financial service space, especially investment advisor space, it's become very, very competitive to get deals as a, meaning it's a seller's market, right? There are yeah. a lot of buyers out there, right? So when, I, when a, a client comes to me and says, I want to start growing through M&A, I always say to them, what is your differentiator, right? Like, why would somebody come to you? It's not because nowadays you don't only need a differentiator for your clients, right? The people you manage their money, you actually need it for other financial advisors who you're trying to acquire or hire sure. or pluck in or whatever, because there's so much, they have so many options. Sure. And they'll say something to me like, you know, the, a lot of times their first reaction is, well, we're a really great place to work and right, right, right. about our clients and, you know, and, and I'm pretty strong and I have the relationship with my clients where I can say, that's not a differentiator. Yeah. Who doesn't say that? Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So how do these pencils apply for just in, in that example, like to somebody who's looking to acquire a recruit, become attractive to, to, to grow their business through, through deals, for example. Yeah. So, uh, I like to use the word invented or created. So instead of saying, how are you different? Say, what have you invented or what have you created that no one else has? And now it starts changing this mindset. So I own a company, uh, First Professionals, right? It's a, it's a membership organization for accountants. We say we invented profit advisement. And people are like, oh, wow. I'm like, yeah, we're the category leader. And now it opens up this whole thing. Right. The, the framework in the book I use. Yeah, I, I don't mean yeah. to interrupt you, Mike, but let me stop there. Because yeah. what you just said is very important. You are the category leader in a category you created. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, that, that's the definition point. of creating a category. Right. That's an important point. You, know? yeah, you will always be the leader. And that, that's right. why I meant it. And, and this is a strategy I use over and over again. I had a computer company, like everyone and their mother and their uncle does computer systems. Yeah. But I was the innovator, the creator of hedge fund technology implementations or HTIs. And so, which is a term I made up. Right. And so I sold that company to private equity. And uh, they said, well, tell us how you're different. I said, oh, we're, we're the only HTI, we are the first uh, HTI provider in the world. They're like, what's an HTI provider? I'm like, hedge fund technology integration. We specialize in this market and there's special tools and stuff. They're like, wow, we've never heard of this. Yeah, because I made it up. <laughs> right, right. But, but we were the category leader and it, it won us the deal. It won us clients because it was seen as distinct. You know, people don't want more of the same. We want the confidence of something we are familiar with, but we want that new flavor. And that's where you become a creator. Love it, love it, yeah. love it. So, so, oh, uh, so, so the book, the yeah. book framework, just how it plays yeah, into please. this whole thing. So, get different. In the book, uh, I, I lay out this framework called DAD. It's an acronym. It stands for differentiate. That's the first phase. That's how you get noticed into the brain. The second component, though, is attract. You must speak to the audience's need. You must be speaking to them. It must be compelling. Listen, I could be the first lawyer to dress like Bozo the Clown to walk into the court with my big flippy flappy shoes. And yeah, everyone's going to notice like the jury will be like, oh, we see you and you creep us out, clown boy. Right. I'm not going to do, you know, I'm not going to vote in your favor. So it has to speak to the community that you're speaking to. But the last component, and this is sadly where people miss, is the last D stands for direct. We must give the prospect 
specific and explicit direction on what they need to do. Yeah. And it needs to be reasonable. It needs to be safe for them. If I'm selling you a car or you are interested in buying a car, I can't say, hey, Corey, give me a hundred grand as a deposit and we'll see what we can figure out and find you a car. No, no. But what I can say is give me your cell number so I can look up the, the 20 cars in our inventory that match your needs and we can have a dialogue. That's a safe, reasonable ask, but it does move us one step closer to the transaction. So DAD, D-A-D. All right. So, so love the acronym, love the framework. Conceptually, it totally makes sense to me. Um, how do people, I mean, listen, frankly, I think in marketing, sometimes people understand some of these concepts and they've heard version, they've heard that they need to differentiate, they've heard they need to have a unique selling proposition, they need to, you know, whatever, whatever the they've heard. But folks just have trouble getting there. Like, you know, distinguish them. Like, you know, like they just they understand it conceptually, but they're not yeah. great at it. So no, no, and we're intimidated. I, yeah. I think there's two factors. One is uh the risk of embarrassment. What if I do something and it doesn't work? What, what will my competitors say about me? What will clients say? Um, what we have to do is reframe this. What is the risk of not standing out and not getting noticed? Yeah. For example, I, I was working with a security firm uh, as I was writing the book and we were doing research and testing things out. And they said, we we can serve these big clients that are in uh, need armed security. So these were people with guns uh, yeah. in these specifically volatile markets. Yeah. And uh, what they said is, you know, we've been sent, mailing postcards. We call them, no one calls us back. So I said, well, here's a real simple solution. Uh, you know these buildings and stuff you want to arm. Why don't you stand outside one of the buildings with one of your guards with a sign that says, we're ready to protect you 24 by 7. Have a uh, someone deliver a box to the CEO in their corner suite with a pair of binoculars that says, we are ready to serve you anytime you're ready. Just look out your window with these binoculars. It's <laughs> massive standout. And uh, this company's like, yeah, but what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? What if, what if it does work? So we, we have to change that frame. How are you doing now, right? Like, yeah, how are you doing now? They're like, we're struggling. So they were terrified. Right. He, but here's the thing that finally turned them. They started trying out the idea. Gotcha. I said, let me ask you this. What about your competition? Your competition is now serving this client and others, right? And they said, yes. I said, are you better than the competition? They said, absolutely. Higher trained people, more security. We've saved lives. We have records of it where our competition hasn't. We are the yeah. best solution. I said, God damn it. You have an a requirement to market yourself. These You're saving lives. Your customers need to use you. If they fail to hire your services, you're putting them at risk. Shame on you for not marketing aggressively. And that's true for all of us. If we are better than the competition, we have a responsibility to market. Otherwise, the clients are being uh, experiencing inferior service and being jeopardized. Yeah. You know, it makes me think back to a prior guest I had on the Quest podcast is, name was Jesse Cole, and he was on episode. Oh, I know Jesse. Uh, We're friends. Uh, yeah, episode 75, right? Savannah Bananas. Now, Savannah this, Bananas, man. This does not work for a lot of businesses. You got to do what's appropriate. But for him, just super quickly, he owns he owns like the minor league of minor league baseball, like the lowest level baseball team, you know, in, in Savannah. And he walks around in a yellow tuxedo and, and cap, and they have the Savannah Bananas. And they do all these crazy, you know, crazy things. Grandma cheer, cheerleaders yeah, and yeah, yeah. umpires and whatever. And, you know, he's, he sells out, you know, he sells out every game, right? Because it's not just your little local baseball team. Yeah. And, and I want to challenge the thought, maybe it does work for a lot of businesses. You know, he he's reinventing baseball. He, yeah. he sold out, uh, I think it's six or seven consecutive seasons. They're, they're a minor league team. You know, right. grandma and grandpa show, that's about all. This place is packed and I've been to multiple games. But that's like, you know what? I'm in the computer industry. We're professionals, highly technical. You can't put on a show until Geek Squad kicked my ass. Right. 
Geek Squad, here's some guys coming in with this thin, you know, taping glasses, thin uh, uh, tie, flood pants, a billion dollar company now that, you know, they merged, of course, with Best Buy, but collectively a billion dollar organization by being like clowns. Now, I'm not arguing that everyone should add like that form of entertainment or oddity to your business, but you must do something that's radically different than everyone else to get noticed. Yeah, 100%. Love it. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. So um, what, anything else uh, specifically in the book? Uh, you gave the framework, obviously, you know, any, anything else you want to you want to share with us? Uh, uh, I don't want I want people to go read it. So you don't got to tell us everything. But. Yeah, yeah. So uh, w- the other thing is, as I teach techniques to get started immediately, uh, to your earlier point is uh, people are resistant to it, saying, well, different, it takes time, it's thought, and then we fall back into what's not working. And we fall back into complacency. And that's a problem. Yep. So there's strategy after strategy within the book of just how to do things different. In email alone, I think there's like 10 or 15 different things you can do instantly nice. that will make just a simple email start standing out. I've done it on my own. I'll give you another tip. You can reformat your titles. So every time you get an email in your inbox, it's a black and white title, presents the exact same way. There's an app out there where you can actually modify the way this title presents. So instantly you stand out from all the other emails. Small stuff like that can have a massive impact on our business. You know, it's interesting. I just, somebody just uh, posted in one of my um, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs organization groups um, about, you know, how you get access to high level, you know, influences and people. Can you just do it via email or, you know, a uh, message, whatever. And, um, and I said, listen, it, you know, if you, if you have the right, you know, angle, like, and I gave an example where at my former firm, we ran a conference in Vegas every year and we, and um, uh, we got Mark Cuban on an email. Uh, and and Mark Cuban is not easy to get, and he, no. he won't take money to speak. You can't pay him to speak, whatever, right? Um, and it was because we knew that he had had a dispute with the SEC, uh, and they had come after him, and he had beaten them, and he was, you know, pissed off about it. And so first we secured the SEC commissioner, who's running the SEC, when when they went after Mark, and and, and our our uh, subject matter to him was. Come to Vegas and debate the SEC commissioner. Oh. We got an email back in one hour directly yeah. from Mark. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, because you know that's the attractor factor. So you did something different. First, you didn't say, "Hey, we'd love for you to speak." What everyone says first, you say you have an opportunity to debate. That's different. But secondly, you spoke his language. The SEC commissioner. He wants a knockdown punch going on to that guy. So that is an attractive factor to him, and you gave him direction. Email us back. You you executed the dad perfectly. Hey, and I didn't even, and we didn't, didn't even know, know it. it. I, you know, I read the book. I love it. I love it. Perfect. It was perfect. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, so Mike, uh, you know, I guess I'm going to ask you a more general question because you do have all these books and all these ways that you help entrepreneurs, you know, uh, to grow it. And, and obviously, listen, you know, there are, there are I mean, again, I, I read your stuff. I love your stuff. There are other great resources out there as well from various sure. people that you and I respect. Um, and there are some people who 
actually not only read these kind of books, but actually take it and implement it and yeah, 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 and the make rock a stars, difference yeah. and whatever. And then there's some people who don't, you know, I mean, yeah. I've done all kinds of business growth work. I've done all kinds of personal growth work. And you see people in these courses, you know, who take years and years of courses and you don't see oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah, life, yeah. but then some people, whatever. what is, you know, I'm always curious as to what successful people think. I mean, I know what I think. I know what I've done personally. But like, what has some people really apply this stuff, right? And what have some people, a lot of people, frankly, just read a book and, you know. And yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, the read a book is uh, is kind of caught up in the shiny object syndrome. Th there's a sense like, oh, I have this new gain knowledge. But then it's like, oh, the implementation's hard. Uh, oh, what, what if I have new knowledge that makes it easier? And we start going into this loop of just learn without the earn, you know. Yeah. Um, the people who are successful often find is, they're, they're on a purpose. Uh, they're, they're driven by some kind of higher thing they need to serve. And, and sometimes rooted in either anger, like they're, they're resolving some issue they have or a, a traumatic experience. I'm on a path to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. That's how I defined it. But the, the thing I'm trying to resolve, which I can't, is uh, I, I almost destroyed my family through poor business decisions. I, I wiped out everything financially. And I'm so frustrated and disappointed in myself from that period of time that I'm, I'm compelled to resolve it. And, and it's become this lifelong mission. So when I learn something, it's like, I got to get this going because I, I, I got to get results now. And that just keeps on burning. And, and I wonder if that's the difference. Mm. I don't know. At least it is for me. No, I, I, I mean, I resonate with some of that. I mean, obviously, yeah, some of, and, then, and then, you know, something bigger than myself, right? You know, yeah, like, that's, I think that's the you know, biggest component. I, I think, yeah, whatever it is. And it could be family, you know, right? It could sure, be sure. community, okay. it could be, you know. Uh, I, I yeah. got to tell you this quick story. I, I was on stage, uh, it's a big event, four or 500 people in the room, it's big for me. And uh, I, I keynote and I talk about my mission to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. There's 300 million small businesses, I got to fix this. This guy comes up, there's tears in his eye. He goes, uh, I loved your presentation. And he goes, I'm just embarrassed to say that my life's purpose is so small compared to yours. I, I said, what is it? He goes, I have two children. Uh, my wife passed away last year. He goes, I just want to put food on the table for my kids. And I'm like, dude, like you're like, let's not compare life's purposes here. Uh, what you have to do is massive in your call to do. Yes. Th there is no comparison. We are all here to do something. That's your something. I met, I sadly cannot remember his name. I met him a few years later and he says, I got to tell you something. He goes, I started a business where I could be home every night at five o'clock and be with my children wow. for two hours over dinner. He goes, dinner is the most important time of our lives as a family. He goes, I started an organization that feeds single parents dinners so you can spend time with your family. He's like, this became my new business. Wow. I'm like, there you go. You know, purpose fuels purpose. And there is no greater purpose or smaller purpose. There's just purpose. And listen, one of the things that I always say is, you know, sometimes there's this drive, and you you allude to some of this in some of you some of your writing. You know, there's this drive is not to grow. You got to grow, and you got to be this, and you got you know you don't have to be anything. And you know, my I, I, I I've talked often about I like to uh, you know lifestyle business is a curse. Like you have a like it's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, right. right. And, and 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 I'm a believer that every business should be a lifestyle business. Now, some some people your lifestyle business will be a, a you know. Uh, the next uh, unicorn and be funded yeah. and you're, because that's really what you want to do. And for some people, it'll be, you know, whatever it is. The point is, I don't understand how you become like, if you're not becoming an entrepreneur to create the life that you want for you and the family and people you care about, whatever that looks like, right. Yeah. That might be jet sitting around the world. It might be being home with your kids. I have no judgment on any of it. Then what's the purpose of it? So I always, you know, I always say, you know, there's so many people who go down an entrepreneurial path, and are driven by things that don't ultimately make them happy and satisfied that, you know, I love people like that. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm in total alignment with you that the the right size business can f- find you. You don't have to be bigger. The right one will find you. Love it. So, Mike, I don't know if you can if you'll answer this question, and if you don't, uh, th- that's fine. But I know you. What by the time a book comes out, you'll working on. You have to be working on another one. I know. Um, so, is there any preview of what's coming next? Or, or yeah, or, yeah. So, I got contracted for another one. Uh, I am revising Clockwork. As, it's the revised and expanded edition. We have over a thousand implementations of Clockwork through our training, and we discovered new things. So, it's a it's a bigger, badder book. And then uh, that one will be out in 2022, and I'm already starting to flirt with the 2023 book. All right. All right, great. Mike McAllis, thank you so much for coming back on the DealQuest podcast. Thank you so much, Corey. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.